one of these uh, seminal pieces on, in political science uh, compared to politics is um, Charles Tilley and his ideas on the birth of the state, the emergence of the modern state. And he basically says that the, the state in its modern form emerged in Western Europe with these roving gangs of bandits who were basically like protection rackets, you know, and they would pay you to, you would, you'd have to pay them to get like protection, just like a mo- like a mafia organization. Like the, so the state in its DNA in the West kind of comes from gangsters who you, who are protecting you, but what you're, what you're really, they need the threat of themselves to get the protection money from people. And when you think of these issues like this, then that seems like, wow, that does seem to be in the, in the DNA of the state. Like the state will generate the threats to justify its existence if the threats aren't there. And that's what they did from their origins. And so when I, these, all of these issues like this bring that to my mind, I mean, and where you look at like things like Gladio and the plan there, like the strategy of tension. So does that get, is that being applied biologically or is, are there plans to have it be applied that way? I mean, I don't want to get too far into down that path, but like. You could argue it already has. I mean, well, with the, with the anthrax thing, it seems pretty clearly that it was. I mean, and that's the strange thing about that is you even look at some of the FBI agents investigating it very early on. They were looking at it and they were even being advised by people like Barbara Hatch Rosenberg uh, that it could the motive behind it could be someone trying to defense, uh, trying to inflate the biodefense sector like that was talked about. In the early yeah. investigation, that's what, part of why they thought rogue scientists were were potential suspects, just for their own like narcissistic, delusional endeavors. You know, and that's actually part of the FBI's official conclusion about Ivan's is that he was determined to get his own anthrax vaccine to yeah. be. Right. So you kind of have to wonder: is some of that actually was it really there as the motive, but it, or is it just a group of different suspects? And I would say, yeah, like. Those motives are probably in play because I think the more I look at this, the more I'm becoming convinced that the Bush administration didn't need an actual bioterrorism scare to get us into Iraq. I really think they probably could have gotten us to go there anyways on some level. So, like, I do think a lot of this talk about bioterrorism during the Bush administration, you have to sort of look back on it and wonder – what was their other motive if it wasn't just Iraq? And I think this is a very clear one that just keeps coming up over and over is they wanted for some reason to just inject the shit out of the bio defense sector with enormous amounts of money. And why well, I mentioned that and they mentioned that in uh, rebuilding America's defenses, they do mention exactly. bio- chemical yeah. and biological weapons. Yeah. They and they about mentioned race specific bio weapons as being something that the enemy yes. could use. Yeah. Right. And that, that part is pretty interesting, too, because actually that's one of the things Rob, uh, Robert Mackey talks about in his Intercept piece mm-hmm. as one of these absurd claims that Russia is making, um, because Russia talked about this idea that the U.S. could be developing a Russian DNA-specific bioweapon. Um, and they I, we may have talked about this already, but the, the claim for that is that there was a Air Force um, – study that was looking for only Russian DNA, or maybe it was RNA, it doesn't matter, and not Ukrainian. It was like very specific in the Air Force contract 
that it could not be from Ukraine. So, I mean, it, it, it is logical and there's a history there because the U.S. has, um, you know, looked into, I mean, the U.S. has tried to develop um, ethnic bioweapons, I think, pretty clearly, and ethnic chemical weapons. Because during World War II, um, they, um, when the U.S. was getting uh, into World War II, they did these um, tests on soldiers, U.S. soldiers, uh, where they um, tested mustard gas and like mustard, like or some, some kind of like mustard gas form in a different form. And they, they very specifically did it on a race-based uh, thing where they tried it against black people, they tried it against white people. And it seems pretty clear they were looking, the, the explanation is they were like, well, maybe mustard gas doesn't really work on black people. So we could put uh, like African-Americans at the front of the line or whatever. And um, if Germany uses mustard gas, you know, which they had done in World War I, uh, it wouldn't work as well. I mean, that's the cover story. Much more likely, from my point of view, is that they were testing out weapons that would be race-specific. Um, I have a personal connection to a story that happened here in St. Louis where they did radiological weapons testing and supposedly used these what they call tracers. Um, supposedly it was zinc cadmium sulfide, which is not necessarily hugely dangerous, although it definitely could have toxic effects. Uh I believe more likely they were actually testing live radiological weapons uh, using strontium-90. And the point of this is that they set up two stations here. One was where my family lived. My family's white. And they lived in this, you know, basically white working class neighborhood. This was all in the 50s and 60s. And um, the other one they set up was in Pruitt-Igo, which was almost 100% black uh, project development. And I think the reason that they did that was because they were testing out, uh, does this work differently on white people versus black people? Is there some kind of advantage or can we develop a weapon that, that targets race specific? Um, and other, you know, other things have come out too, like in uh, the late 90s, the story came out that Israel was developing a quote unquote ethno bomb. And the idea was that they were uh, looking at uh Bacteriological weapons that could affect um, Arabs but not affect Jews, um, and which would be dicey because of the long, you know, intermarriage for you know who knows how long. Like, yeah, exactly. I like mean, madness. Yeah, I think that this is one of the confounding factors is that they found that the reason that I don't know that they have found one that really does work that well is because. There is so much more intermingling than people maybe thought there, you know, they thought of races in these more archaic ways that they're pretty static categories when, you know, we kind of know now that there, there's not, it it would seem hard for me to believe that there really is any strong DNA distinction between Russian people and Ukrainian people. Yeah. yeah, Well, that's one of the craziest ones because the Russians actually trace their uh, heritage you know, accurately back to Kiev. That was just an excerpt from the American Exception podcast. To hear the whole episode, as well as archived and new episodes, please subscribe to the American Exception podcast at Patreon. There's a link in the show notes, or you can just go to patreon.com slash American Exception. 
subscribe, and you can join us as we illuminate the dark side of the U.S. empire.